Welcome to the Two Marketeers podcast, where marketing swashbucklers Sean and Lindsay seek to demystify the fascinating world of modern marketing. Each episode takes listeners on a storytelling adventure that informs, entertains, and inspires marketing enthusiasts of all kinds. And now, here are your hosts, the two marketeers themselves, Sean Patrick and Lindsay. Wow! Yeah! Woo! Take the stage! Hello! Hello, Lindsay Hello. B. Hello. Hello. This Hello. is it. This is number one. And I I am promising you that whatever shit show this becomes, <laughs> it's going out there. What do you th- what do you say? Uh, let's can we rip this band-aid off? Yeah. We're doing it. Ladies and gentlemen, our number one fan, our only fan, if you're out there, I'd love to welcome you today and introduce my rock star partner and co-host, Lindsay B. Wah. You missed the part where you said, welcome to the Two Marketeers podcast. No, that's already there. That's there. Stop messing with my shit. But I'm reading your script. It says, hello, fans. Yeah, we don't have to. Do you want me to change it? I'm not reading any script. Do I look like I'm reading a script? I don't know. I'm just saying. Okay, fine. Okay, hello, fans. There, I just did. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Sean. Everyone, please say hello to my almost as brilliant marketeer, Sean Patrick. Oh yeah, I forgot Branding to see our marketeer. Wise guy, see you're really you're. <laughs> the yeah, but this is good. It's good. <laughs> this is good. Yeah. Okay, great. Because do we have to if, do this again? No. Moving forward now. No, that's the beauty of it. Is we'll get better and better at that. But if we say okay, that was a shit show, we'll just put in the pre-recorded one, which said just what you just said, what you just read. But you really sounded like you weren't reading, so that was good. Did I? I think Welcome so. to the two marketeers. And right, I need to put a, a I need to put a, a what's that called? A bass track or a track down? Like a jazzy, a snazzy <laughs> track. What do you want? I think I'm thinking something now nah, a little raunchier than jazz. Maybe jazz raunch is that a thing? Like hip hop. <laughs> there, there it is. I'm gonna actually put that. Under the track. Okay, great. So, Sean, tell me, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's beautiful out. I'm on vacation. Did you know that? No. Yeah, I'm on COVID Because you're in the same place that you've been for the last (laughs) five months. Yeah. That's weird. I'm just pretending to work, not getting paid. And I finish not working at about two or three o'clock every day, and I go outside and read and fall asleep in the sun. And that this is is my vacation. So, are you actually on vacation, or are you just not working past two o'clock? Oh, that's a trick question. Is that I'm that I'm this like is normal. this is this is as close to a summer vacation that I will take, which is great. Yeah, because your summer vacation space is literally out your door because you have such a beautiful house with a nice pool Mm -hmm. so you don't have to go anywhere no i'm not being like oh poor me i mean you get to go to the cottage but that's a lot of work and i respect that but once you're there it's wonderful but i was definitely uh i got to go up to some friend's cottage for the day uh last weekend and it just was like oh my god that was just having that um made it all okay to make this my vacation so I'm totally. trying not, I'm really, I'm not taking on work. That's not true. <laughs> Never mind. 
I'm enjoying You're my week. You're not trying to get work? I'm No, that's not true either. I'm enjoying my week <laughs> as a, I, I, was, I wouldn't call it a serial entrepreneur when you have two companies. Doesn't that make it sound like you just keep building companies and you go away? I don't Well, do it that. sounds like you build companies, then you... You follow leave. them for months and then you murder them in a ditch and bury them in Arizona. That's what a serial. <laughs> That's the name of my next company. Can you say Buried it again? Buried in Arizona? No, like the whole part of it. Like you, All of that? Yeah, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. No? Okay, me neither because I can't remember. But it's recorded. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> sweet. So you're on vacation. That's incredible. Yeah. And you? And Vu? <sighs> do you want to hear how I'm doing? Because <laughs> I am feeling all the feels today and I want to talk about all of them. Is it about school? No, it's okay. not. Oh my God. School, okay. Though. Sorry. I, let, I'm going to take that. <sighs> I yeah, spent my morning school. reading how my daughter's going to go to school. Um, yeah. So, so just, just for context, we're in like, it is August right now of... Um, our COVID, 20 COVID pandemic, August 2020. So the big, the big to do is everyone talking about our schools going to reopen, and hopefully we listen to this in a year from now, and we're like, oh, that was crazy. Thank God we're all. What were we worried about? With the vaccine now. <clears throat> yeah. So that's what you were doing. You were reading about how your daughter's going to go back to school, like high school, right? Yeah. Like it is. To be fair, I'm not obsessing about it, which is I can say that because it's my third child and the only one left in school and she's kind of mastered it and school's around the corner and blah, blah, blah. So I have no struggles. So I don't want to. So you're to not make... worried? I'm not. I, um, I'm not. My wife that's is amazing. just because I think it's what I because she worries I don't have to. I think we, we, we're good with that. Like, we right. pick things to worry about. We don't worry about the same thing or else that would just not help. But anyways, yeah, they released it this morning, I think. Um, we got, like, our emails. I got a, a phone call last night and I was like, who calls me ever, let alone at, like, 10 at night? And it was a pre-recorded message from the ministry of or the, the school board. And it said, you know, please check your email. You've been sent all the details, of which the first one is you have to answer the survey. And to, as to, to whether you'll send them back or not. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, so then this morning, Simone and I, usually what we do is get up early-ish, and then we each sit in our respective seating. Her mine's flats. a couch. Hers is a chair. Yeah, and we read. And she typically catches up on her Facebook and all that stuff, and then I typically read books. <laughs> 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 I don't need to know. But it's called on. Facebook. No, I just read like books. So it's a book. I, I, I'm not about what's happening today. And, is and it I'm, a blankist or do you, are you reading actual books? No, it's books? legit like just fiction or nonfiction books. It's typically what I do because I need to think of something not related to my day. It's kind of how I start my day. So oh, I like read some like, fresh <clears throat> a book. Yeah, I don't read yeah. the news. I don't read like not at that time. Um, so anyways, but then I had to do this, which was fine. And we're kind of back and forth thing. what part are you at? What part? And then we read different parts to each other and kind of say, well, did you hear about this? I'm like, yeah, I already read it. Anyways, there's a lot of details, nothing particularly of surprise to me and nothing mm -hmm. particularly alarming as I have a teenage daughter who's, um, you know, keeping up with phase three, doing all that stuff. Yes. So it's different for me. Yeah. I don't need, I don't need to worry about care. Uh, Plus, she, she like knows to you know put her mask on or sanitize her hands if she has to. 
Yeah. I was just saying to someone the other day, because I have two little kids under five, and so I'm like, if I could just, if they could have a phone, and I could phone them and be like, what's the situation at school today? Are there a lot of people? Are you feeling good? Are you not feeling good? And if they're not feeling good, I would just go get them. But it's like, I'm just sending these little experiments back into school. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Like, oh, they're experiments. They are. Yeah. Because they Petri don't dishes like they, of control. They don't know what's safe. They don't know what's not safe. They don't. They probably won't follow the rules. They'll try, but it's not going to be great. And like so, I'm like, if they could communicate to me what the situation is, I would probably feel better. Yeah, but then they'd just be there. like, "Mom, stop calling me. I'm having a smoke between nap and playtime. So just you know, let me be me. Yeah, right? I don't want to. Actually, they wouldn't smoke. They vape. It's <laughs> the thing. Yeah, vaping, so we're not good. I think I've just made Lindsay a little more stressed. Uh, yeah, and this was not what I was worried about this morning. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks. But thanks, man. Yeah, when you said, hey, like, what are you thinking about? Is it schooled? I was like, no, but now it is. <laughs> yeah, you send me down a spiral of anxiety, so I'm going to go have a little bit of CBD in my coffee and call it a day. Woo! <laughs> yeah, anyways, that was not what I was thinking about, but I'm like... I've been reading kind of two different two different things. Have you heard about this she session? She session they're calling it? She session. No. Pandemic she session. So apparently last month RBC Economics um, put out a report about women in the workforce and the pandemic and unemployment. And they were saying uh, women's unemployment in Canada has unprecedented, with 1.5 million women in Canada losing their jobs in the first two months of the pandemic. In April, women's participation in the Canadian workforce, or the share of the working age population that is working or looking for work, fell to 55%, a level last seen in May of 1986. So... That's just, shock. Even that date is shocking to me. I thought you were going to say like shocking. May of 1952. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. That it was well, that high in May of 86. Well, 86. Yikes. I know. But then I'm at like, <clears throat> think about it. So it's talking about all the strides women have made in like working mothers and um, for equality and all that stuff. And just how the pandemic is a massive step back for you know, women in the workforce as we are typically the first to kind of put our hand up to step back because you just feel like you're in survival mode. And if you're a working parent, it's like, I feel like I have to do what I have to do now. And for a lot of people, that doesn't mean working, you know. Ugh, women, women. I'm just so tired of it. Yeah, <laughs> don't be. <laughs> Okay, well, so no one's going to listen to the rest of this podcast because <laughs> you're being a jerk. Including, including you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, weird. My microphone's not working. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and oh, there's this boy. one quote in one of these articles where it says, I hope we're going to look back on this and talk about the time we were in isolation, but mommy kept working, mommy kept going and doing what she needed to do. And I know it's not just moms. It's, you know... Um, dads and single parents and you know all that stuff but just like holy shit I can't it's really hard to 
think about the impact on women in the workforce and parents and you're just like wow so do you look at how do you look at that like what stresses you out do you feel that that could affect you personally is it you feeling as someone who's benefited from the step forward feels uh almost tragedy in in falling so far back for the movement is it yeah for me it feels you know i've done a, a bunch of work and stuff with women in the workforce and I've been on the board of Lean in Canada and you know tried to support women in the workforce and I feel like I feel it's I feel devastated that this is what's happening and but at the same time I feel paralyzed in that I want to somehow be able to help all of these women who are being impacted by this but I don't even know what to do like I don't even I don't even know what to do about it or feel about it other than I feel like it's devastating. Mm. So that's the thing. I'm equally devastated and I feel paralyzed that I can't help anyone or I don't even know what to do to help. You're helping now because maybe you're going to give some, maybe that's a good sort of give inspiration even about talking on this podcast. I know that's always been your stance of, you know, you can be a voice for, for marketing, but also what's more important to you is to be a voice of moms women but especially moms yes in this industry which is definitely one of the industries that probably made the greatest strides like i'm not saying it's not there but definitely you're now feeling the weight of what i would say kinds of jobs that aren't related to necessarily as like when you look at that Mm -hmm. would you you say 55 percent? 55 percent, yeah you know i've got a I'm going to speculate here, but I'm going to speculate a lot of that has to do with what I would call a more, um, I hate, I don't even know what to call it, blue collar or whatever, like, a, a yes, you know, the those are the front lines that, that are have. being hit. Yes. The it's supply a lot of hospitality. Kind of. It's a lot of retail, like a lot and they're of that. women centric. Exactly. Yeah. I think what's good about it though, is it, it, not, not to say the good, maybe somewhat positive is it would probably be reflective of the fact that they're women dominant industries and by dominant meaning by numbers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Therefore, you know, let's hope, let's be optimistic that it will be up to women leadership to 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 nurture that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh my God, now it's back in the hands of men and you know what they're gonna do. Uh hopefully it's that Messed sort it all of up. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> I know that. That's why I'm in my basement. <laughs> I mess up. That's why we don't let you out other than I to have, your backyard to have a vacation. Right. I have like a 20-foot radius of what I'm allowed to mess up. and Yes. And I'm in it right now. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Well, it's a good no. it's it's a good uh, perspective. I, I actually posted something on LinkedIn yesterday um, on my SBY's guy LinkedIn. Just, just a little drop there. Um, and it was a Harvard Business Review uh, piece because it was a video um, about maybe the focus and it was really interesting to me I I actually commented and got a lot of comments on my comment to say wow this is really a new sort of way of looking at it and it it's about not going first around uh the men woman thing but looking at it is we're we're part of a uh, of a a cohort or a, a an era or a society societal change where we're still impacted by this sort of I can't remember what she calls it but it's like a work a very work-driven status. Yes. And if you look at it that way, there was a time, you know, we live in a in a in a society where she says, you know, 
we are valued by the point of like, you will get paid this if you're willing to put work first. And whether it's said or unsaid, we all live it. And now that there's that transition from say us to the next cohort or the next, you know, the millennials and and the Gen Z and all that sort of stuff is, we kind of think that although we fell to that and we were a vic- not a victim, but we were a result of our parents who'd gone, like in my case, my parents had gone through the wars and, and you know, like all that kind of stuff is our kids um, won't see the such tremendous value in getting paid for the work we do and giving mm-hmm. up everything for the sake of the money. Um, yes. So <clears throat> the whole purpose of it is first identify that we are part of this culture where we, each of us, put work to that level of importance to happiness. Um, it's not about loving work somewhat. It's about being busy. And the more you work, the higher your status, because it, it alludes to the point that, you know, and with that comes the sacrifices, blah, blah, blah. And I, I thought that was really interesting because it doesn't it doesn't polarize it. And that's what I liked about it is, oh, I actually I can relate. I could relate even if it was you know, just because of my situation being, you know, business partner with my wife. And and we've always been pretty as 50-50 as we can be in sort of sharing whatever responsibility is required at that time Um, and making that conscious call, not ever feeling like, well, I have to do this. Or, I mean, I I definitely felt that, but but realizing it was self-imposed because that's just what the husband did. Um, mm-hmm. but anyways, I, I was like, I appreciate that, you know, that there are still, there are still some men who are struggling in similar ways, but don't have a movement. Right. And, and are afraid to even say anything because, because they kind of feel like, well, listen, that's a whole other thing. I'm not here to be part of that movement, but yeah. it identifies that first to say, can we first recognize that we are living in a society where what worked 20 years ago, just like often happens, doesn't have to apply anymore, right? Exactly. Right? How many couples do you know where they both work and they act like they both do have to work? And it's kind of like, well, I don't know that we should, like us, for example, is I, I, I could honestly say, having gone through COVID and other struggles in the past, I, it was always un, un, unreasonable for me to think that I would make a sacrifice, for the kid right. to stay home with the kids. Why? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, why though? It, it was just a it, it was a reality I had formed. Like I'm not even trying to ex- excuse it. it. Like I look at it in hindsight and go, yeah, I felt that way. Um, I could blame other things, but it's just what I knew to be true to myself. And it could be historical, right? My dad mm-hmm. always was the work. My mom stayed home, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. to just to be more of, I can acknowledge that I'm not going to blame an external force because if I do, then how will I change anything? So to kind of say, I accept the fact that I believe that and sure there are societal norms to support it, but all I need to do is to say, yeah, that was me. The only way I had to change that was to realize that I made that reality, right? Like I, I, um, perpetuated it and it caused definite hard times when we're both working and you know i'm supposed to be some vp at some mucky 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 muck uh, agency and my wife is a very successful 
uh, a professional and she travels a lot. So, you know, I'm the VP who has to go home at five o'clock certain weeks because we've got to balance that. And and I had pride in it, but I also had some shame in it. Like it was something that, I've, you know, allowed me to be a bit of an outlier, which I've always liked to be. But there was also a frustration in me. Like, why do I have to do this? You know, why can't? Yeah, I should and, be able to stay and work. And yeah, because but there's what, an underlying what I loved like, about it was that that should be that. Yeah, what I loved about it all the time, what it kept us doing it was, I thought she had every right to make those decisions, and I supported those decisions. Right? Yeah. It was kind of like she's always wanted to have her career, and she definitely made concessions right from the beginning that other that she made some bold moves that says I'm not doing this I'm not working on that kind of work I have to say to no to this stuff because there were things that she held to be true right she mm-hmm. did want to be home for the kids when they came home from came home from work for a period of time you know, all that stuff yeah so I can say this to say we we always were able to um, benefit but we benefited because we made our own decisions that may, you know, we, especially with my wife where it was like, all that mattered to me was that I could support my wife and what she wanted to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Once in a while that would come with some internal resentment to say, well, why can't I be the executive who can go on every trip and not worry about Mm -hmm. it? But I always knew that was self. Like it was like, yeah, I never fell into it except when it came to anxiety, except when it came to, why is this so hard? Why am I not fitting in? Why can't I talk to someone else who does a similar thing? Yeah. Because it just didn't happen. I was the, did you know, like when we worked together, did you know anyone else who, whose priorities were like mine? Only moms. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But, but on the other moms. hand, yeah, exactly. But even on the other hand, you know, I am a true believer in, yeah, but there's moms. Moms are, you know, if you can avoid it, they're completely irreplaceable. Um, so anyways. I think it's just like what you're saying is so eye-opening. I think this pandemic thing is just so eye-opening with regards to women and unemployment and opting out of the workforce, whether you're opting out because you feel that you have to at this time or whether you've been forced to be at, out of the workforce, outside of the home workforce. It's like even with my husband and I, so we're equal earners um, you know, in a big city, I've chosen to have a career. He's the same as you in that he's very supportive of whatever I've wanted to do. And, and when it comes down to it in a pandemic, I'm the first inside my body. My instincts tell me to stop and and quit and go home and be with my kids because it's just like, well, someone's going to do it. I, I'm clearly going to stop working. Which, and I just think it's so crazy that the thought never crosses my husband's mind. Like, I don't think he's ever been like, okay, well, I'm going to quit and stay home with the kids. And it's not because he's not about equality and it's not because he doesn't support women in the workforce. It's just something innate in us that tells me to stop and him to not. Like, I don't, I don't know. And I don't know where it comes from, but it's shocking to me that in 2020, that that's still, it's like in, it's our innate human reaction. But I think the one thing is, is, you know, me, when things like this happen, you have to identify something you're going to do differently instead of trying to defend the old things and do everything the same, right? Like, just like schools, I'm trying to be very open-minded about all this happens is to say, okay, and I, I can't, like I have friends, you know, it becomes the topic of conversation. And just like with COVID, I, you know, I had to make a statement on my blog that said, listen, 
this seems like a perfect time to have something to say. And all I can say is I have nothing to say. I will listen. I will observe. I will do what I can. But I don't have a stance. And and right now, on a daily basis, people have stances based on what the government, you know, what's wrong with the government? What's taking them so long? Oh, my God, school's supposed to start. And I'm like, can can we all just respect the fact, you know, teachers don't know what's going on. And I know some teachers and I know some, you know, everybody is to say, all I say, all I can say is, can, you know, we talk about this, but can we just have a little empathy for everything? And, and your goal being, so what will be different this time? And I would say with me and, and my wife got over it at other times is to just say, Maybe it's the fact that I should first, instead of being ashamed of of moving the movement backwards by making this choice, but moving it forward is because you have the freedom to make the choice. But on your terms, that's a big, you know, like celebrate that. And how can you turn that into something positive? Because you're... The whole thing is, you know, even when you opened up is this is since yesterday where I say, well, maybe we shouldn't maybe we i shouldn't say we shouldn't maybe we should think of a different way of classifying to not say man women first i mean that that's fine that that narrative is there and it has its justifications but there are levels of oppression that just don't apply that you know your level of oppression is not the same as of a person who had no cho- a woman who had no choice whether it was financial whether it was job whether yeah it was i think personal that's the thing situation. a lot of people have no choice so we feel the shame that oh well i can stand up for that and my stance is always like i'm very careful of what i stand up for and i'm very private about it to some degree but what i'll always stand up for is is a logical sort of you know okay but let's turn this into something positive right like mm-hmm. wait a minute i love that video that said we get it, but maybe the root of this problem is not a man versus woman thing. Because because here's where I'll blow it up. What if you're same sex? Like, it's so old school, right? Yeah. What if you are a single dad? What exactly. if you're What if you're pansexual? Or what if, you know, like, whatever it is. What if this is about things that, you know, that's where I'm really starting to see is this whole gender thing has history, absolutely. But perhaps any opportunity to step away from it as a first resort might be an interesting way to look at it because already we think, okay, well, how many of those women are in a same sex marriage or in a same sex relationship or, or are single that you can't stand on their podium. Right. Mm -hmm. And actually, and it was the whole thing with a lot of movements that have happened lately is I can't stand on someone's podium. And a lot of argument was like, if you aren't saying anything about this, then you are a participant to the oppression right. and I'm like see I don't think that's fair because right. I know a lot of uninformed biased people who are just looking for the next thing to jump on and they're mm-hmm. actually doing damage to the purity of what change really is wow we are deep into this I know and I think that's where I, when I say like I'm equally devastated and equally I don't know what to do it's that I'm collecting as as I do in our jobs. I'm collecting information and asking questions before I say, like, here's what we're going to do to change the situation. It's like I'm the first to say, I don't know, and I need to look around and I need to think about it. All I know is that it's top of mind for me and I want it to be different in some but way. I think, yeah, and I'm collecting but information as to how, like, what is going on and how – um, I can think about participating. It's really just, it's that tension that's required as a person who is an expert creative. And I say that just because, you know, the chops show it like, oh, okay, this, I got paid for being creative. You're using your creative process. It, you know, you know me, I know I see creative and everything is 
Mm-hmm. You're a very creative person in how you think. And then ultimately how you come up or propose the right way forward. But what's required for that to happen when you do it for others is that tension. So typically clients will come to you to help fix something that has turned from a tension into a reality, usually, right? So you're using your best practice, which I would say is a creative process, and you're 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 dealing with this tension. And you that tension has to sit. I mean, it just happened to me yesterday on a creative project I was doing. I was just sort of like, okay, I'm supposed to do it today. I told my client, I haven't ignored it, but I'm not in the right frame of mind. I just need more time. I needed that tension to kind of boil over a bit more with this ongoing thought. So it's sort of mm-hmm. like you're percolating. It's hard. Tension is hard. Yeah. But you, you also have to recognize, yeah, you feel those things. It's really good you feel with it. And you're, and the tension that's created is I, I should be doing something, but I don't know what. But that's the tension that's going to feed that sort of, oh, tomorrow you're going to have this moment that goes like, Oh, this mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do. Oh, I saw this video that Sean posted. Yeah, I like that. Let me let me percolate on that. Let me, just like you yeah. say on any meeting we have where I'm like, Lindsay, I know what we can do. We can do it. And you'll be like, mm-hmm, I need to marinate on that. And let me get back to you. And then you go and you do your validation. You do your fact finding and you bring it back to say, yeah, I'm there. I'm there too now. So now you have to get mm-hmm. to that. I'm not there yet. Right. And it's but just when- around. Anyways. Yeah, no, I love that. I think the one thing where you say you can take it and focus on the positive spin to it. I was also reading uh, one article this morning by The Drum, which I love, um, that talks about agency life as a single mom. So it's this uh, ex-journalist who now works at a creative agency, and she just writes a little bit about life as a single mom. And the thing that she kind of closes this article with Um, it says for parents, particularly those with solo charge of their children, so single parents, it has leveled the playing field and is a leap closer to career equality. It's also had a huge effect on people with disabilities who no longer have to feel that work is doing them a favor by having them. She says, I hope that in years to come, flexible working will be given and prejudice towards single parents will be history. And she says, I'm delighted to have the chance to play my little part in paving the path for the next generation. That's amazing. Yeah, that's kind of the cool side of it to say, okay, the world has blown up. (laughs) And for especially for creative industries, it says they finally have given, you know, they're getting the chance to kind of catch up to where people are with other industries and things like that that says you don't have to be in an office to do your best work and you can still work at an ad agency and be a single mom it's not something for just young people it's not something for just people without kids it's like they say yeah you can still participate and do your best work the nine to five work day there's a whole it's over but and there's a whole reason why it ever was and i think that's what i love most about this COVID thing is it puts a bunch of different little pieces to the test it's put a lot of things to the test and if everyone's going to go back to talk about as much as you know it's it's forced a lot of changes but let's be really scientific in our approach to say okay if there's a symptom and there's something it's bigger than everything is bigger than what it is is the way i look at it right everything is bigger than what it is and you get outside your little world of you know i can't believe now i'm not talking to you Lindsay, but like Oh, now I can't believe that I can't go with my kids to the park. It's it's so much bigger than that. It's so like, just think bigger, right? We always do that. It was our best campaign that never happened. Think bigger, (laughs) right? Yeah. 
Um, so anyway. Yeah, so when you asked me 20 minutes ago or half an hour ago how I was doing, this is how I'm doing. And it's a good context for people in thinking that we're in the middle of a pandemic. I work in advertising and marketing in a strategy consultancy role. I'm a mom of two young kids and all of these issues are coming together. And as you say, I hope that this um, podcast not only can help shine light on things like advertising and marketing strategy, but bring to life real issues that people like us have during these times in these industries that we can talk about. Yep. There it is, folks. The raw life of Lindsay B. Wah. I think that's all the time we have today. It's been a great one, Lindsay. Yeah, really great, Sean. Thank you so much for the chat. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye. That's it for this episode, my fellow marketeers. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe to this podcast at thetwomarketeers.ca. That's thetwomarketeers.ca. Spell it out. Be sure to tune in for more marketing adventures every month from us, the Two Marketeers. But you can just call us Sean and Lindsay. Actually, I would prefer Wise Guy. Yeah, I, I know you would. We're not, we're not doing that.